I am Steph Reed. I am the director of the Flat River Community Library. My name is Penny Dora, and I am the director of communications at Montgomery ISD. Kyle Hamlin, I'm the superintendent of Montgomery ISD. I'm Cindy DeYoung, I am the early childhood special ed supervisor. I am Kristen Larson. I am the principal over at Cider Education Center um, and also a special ed supervisor. My name is Shannon Tripp. I'm the associate superintendent of career tech ed and early college. Welcome to the Flat River Front Porch. All right, welcome. This is a really special episode. I'm excited about this one. Um, not that I'm not always excited about them. But I'm excited specifically about this one because uh, we changed the the rules a little bit this time. And usually I'm talking to one person or I'm talking to at most a couple of people. Um, I've got the sepulas in here and they're sniping at each other, you know, that sort of fun stuff. Um, but this time I decided to break the mold a little bit and we brought what felt like half of the Montcalm area ISD. In. No, so there's could, more. No, there's yeah, yeah. More. It, it felt it was a full room, definitely, but it was a small representative sample in context. The reason that this conversation came about was because of a conversation I had with someone who couldn't be there, which is a perfect representation of everything about her. She plans things and then she wraps herself in her cape and flies off into the night. Um, but <laughs> that's a very generous uh, analogy. Just Thank lean you into for it. That. Yes. You're like, you're <laughs> Thank like, Thank you for that. Yeah. So, um, but I will have her introduce herself. Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. My name is Penny Dora, and I am the director of communications at Montgomery ISD, and I have worked there for 22 years. You're kind of like the whirling dervish of MAIS. <laughs> well, I feel like when you've been there for such a long time, you, you do become a little bit of a, a cog. So I, I know a lot of history and have a lot of answers to a lot of questions because I've been there for 22 years. So See, my, my metaphor was a little bit different. I was saying that you are just that masked crusader who's making things happen and um, getting the word out in the community. That's um, the best part about my job. I get yeah. to do a lot of community stuff. And yeah. I, I love that because you get to share information about Montgomery ISD and what we do and how we serve and and spread a lot of good work. So mm -hmm. that's that's one of the most fun parts about my job. This all started because uh, we are in Rotary together. Yes. Um, and Go Greenville Rotary. Hey, um, is it? Service above self. Rotary yeah. rocks. We meet every Tuesday at noon, just in case you're interested in checking us out. But um, we were talking about the fact that everybody sort of is familiar with their own school district. They, you know, they right. know their mascots. They know their teams. Exactly. They, they, have they their... know the high school football score. Yep. They have, the, they have their local pride going, um, but there isn't a ton of knowledge across the county as to what the ISD does. Pe people might be familiar with the concept of an ISD in general. They might even know what the acronym stands for, um, but they don't really know what they do. Right. Well, ISDs were created in the state of Michigan in 1962 mm -hmm. by legislation. So there are 56 ISDs in the state. They're called intermediate school districts. They tend to be county-specific. The goal is to provide collaborative services that support students. Most people know us for the Career Center. Um, Montgomery Career Center is a program that we operate. Uh, we operate the Cider Education Center. We also have the Montcom Transition Center, our own admin building, which is in Stanton. And then we own a building uh, south of 57 
on on 66. It's our HL Steel uh, Center, and we house two programs in there that are the I Am Safe Child Advocacy Program and the I Am Third Kids. You know what? I don't know how it's possible, but in that entire conversation yesterday, at no point did those two programs come up. And I am just now learning that you all are affiliated with yes. those programs. I well, did not know that. they rent space from our building. So uh, we're a partner in the fact right. that we provide a location for them. We provide technology for them. Mm-hmm. You know, we provide some things for them and they are in our building. Okay. But really, they're, they're their own entities. So a lot of people are quite familiar with I Am Kids Third Meal. They provide uh, after-school food program for students in Ionia and Montcalm County. Uh-huh. That's the I Am part. Right, right. Ionia, Ionia Montcalm. Montcalm. Yep. And then the I Am Safe CAC, it's called. It's a child advocacy center. But they do uh, forensic interviews and work with children who have been sexually abused. Uh-huh. So very, very fabulous program. Yeah. And they, I, they both do really amazing, really essential work that that fulfill needs that are hard to think about these children who are struggling with food insecurity or with really negative home situations or etc it makes me really grateful that there are advocates that are making this their mission i love that you use the word partnership because i think that is really the best one word summation of what the isd does that it it um that's what we're all about collaboration yeah and making those connections filling needs that are not met by other organizations across a broader spectrum. That's really what all ISDs in the state of Michigan do. Mm -hmm. We we do a lot of work with MDE. We provide a lot of services as a liaison, so to speak, between MDE and and some of our local districts. But at Michigan Department of Education. Yes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's okay. I gave a lecture to them yesterday about guys, don't don't use the abbreviations. Don't assume that people know these. Michigan Department of Education is a pretty critical acronym for us, MDE. So (laughs) I think we use it in you know almost every sentence, right? But uh, we do provide a lot of collaborative services, technology, pupil accounting, business services. Those are some of the things behind the scenes that nobody ever sees. Those Mm -hmm. types of things. But we do also have a lot of programs and services for students in in the county. I think there is a preconceived impression that people have in their minds of anything that is organized from the state level like this. There's a little bit of skepticism of something like that, of being, quote unquote, dictated from, from the state level. But I think what's important to note with you all is that while these... In the same way that the infrastructure for libraries are set at the state level, it's those local organizations that are really making the meaningful changes, making things happen. It is the people who work in this organization and who bring all of their passion and all of their energy to what they do that really well, we makes best it work. know our needs in a, in a local situation. Absolutely, yeah. Certainly, the needs that we have in a rural area are going to be vastly different than what they have in Oakland County or sometimes even Kent County. Mm -hmm. So you best know what you need on a local level. Absolutely. So you can identify some of those programs and and make them more specific to the the needs that you have in your area. The goal of this conversation was to try to illuminate so many aspects of this that operate quietly without a, a significant percentage of people in the county actually getting to see it. If you are the family member of someone who is directly involved in these services, you might know aspects of it. Right. But you're oh, not sure. you're not for seeing sure. the whole picture. So we really wanted to give everyone a chance to see a picture of what what a day in the life of people from the ISD and what sort of beautiful things they create. The folks that were sitting there 
yesterday, really make up a broad spectrum of the programs that we have because Uh the state of Michigan, the only state in the nation that serves special education students from the ages of birth to 26 years Uh old. So that is unique to Michigan. And then, of course, on the, so we have all of those programs and services through the ISD for zero to 26. And then we also have our on our general ed side, we have oh. preschool programs. We have Great Start Readiness programs. And then uh, through the high school level, we have our early college programs. So, mm-hmm. so we hit a really large gamut of age groups that I don't think people are often aware of. So a lot of people just don't don't realize there are services for students of those age groups. This is a little touchy-feely, but I kind of like to think of the ISD as being just a nice big warm hug around the <laughs> around the school districts in the area to sort of, you know, wrap them up in all of these extra extra things to... Um, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think everybody that, that works for us will like that. We're, we're, we like to give warm big hugs. Yeah, it's like so. wrapping it up in a nice blanket. Everybody and... <laughs> always needs one, right? Yeah, so. exactly. I would be remiss if I did not talk about the event that you have coming up. Oh, goodness. <laughs> yes, I'm a star. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm in Dancing with the Stars. So I've gotten a lot of laughs about that. That I'm making some mileage out of, out of telling people I'm a star. Well, and they, they said that you've been dancing around the office as well. I have to so. practice. <laughs> Trust me. Oh, guys, I have to practice. I do um, have to practice. Uh, so can you talk a little bit about what it, I'm sure people are familiar with it, but just in case you're not, the, the dancing, dancing with the, with the stars. stars. It's dancing with the local stars. So right. you, you have to get the local part in there. It is a fundraising event that is planned by the Education Foundation of Greenville. And I am on that board as a volunteer. And uh, apparently that means I get to dance also. <laughs> there are 10 people, 10, 10 teams of dancers. So there's uh-huh. a star, which really is someone who has no clue about dancing. And then they're partnered with a pro. So, of course, the pro is your your lead. And my pro is the current Danish festival queen. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Aren't so you lucky? She is um, young and vibrant and excited. And she's a student at Grand Valley. She's studying psychology. And she is going to teach me a tiny little bit about dancing. Okay. So the point is that we raise money for mental health programming and uh, mental health services for students at Greenville Public Schools. And in the meantime, you get to learn these amazing dance moves. Well, my young, vibrant, professional dance partner uh, apparently loves hip-hop. I've seen her do hip-hop. She's quite good at it. And um, so I'm thinking she might hip-hop and I might just jump around. So (laughs) I I don't know. (laughs) It's going to be quite entertaining, I'm sure. Has it been choreographed yet? We have to do that. We're, okay. we have, we're supposed to be on stage for two to four minutes. Oh, my gosh. That sounds so like I, forever. So you don't think it's long until you're standing up there yeah. timing yourself, and then you're like, oh, boy, two minutes is it a long, long time. It sounds long to me. Yeah. So we have about two minutes done. We've had one dance practice so far, so I feel like okay. we're making good strides. Are you allowed to say what, what you're dancing to? I don't know. Okay. I don't know the if music I'm allowed comes... to say that or not. Okay. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to break any... <laughs> Any, we uh, had to do write it down on a sheet yeah. okay. and provide that to the <laughs> the coordinator of this event is Miranda Curry. She does. Okay. She's our volunteer education foundation board member, but she has Flat River Dance. Oh, studios. yes, yes. Okay. She's, she's that person and she coordinates this event for us. So right, she knows our song. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell anybody else. Okay. I, I, won't, I won't try to, to break I will the say this. It is, we get 10 points for audience participation and our song is a very audience participation-y. 
Okay. (laughs) All right. All right. It's interactive. I like it. So obviously, uh, people can buy tickets to this event and go um, go see all of our local dancers and whatnot. What's the date of the event? April 13th. April 13th. And then also the individual community members who are the local stars are also... We have to fundraise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's how we win. So here, I know that, and, and I don't mean to throw any, cast any shade on my dance partner <laughs> who is very good, but I don't feel like I'm going to win for my own talent. So I have to win in fundraising. So right. <laughs> there's two like awards for the team. So one is the team who makes the, raises the most money. And the second one is the team who dances the best. So Well, you know your strengths. So yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Like I spend a lot of time talking to the community, so I can I can lean hard into that. <laughs> I'm a runner. I'm not a dancer. One of the earlier interviews we did for this was with Corey Smith, and he did it in a past year. But he also picked it up kind of at the last minute because he was filling in for Mike Walsh, who I think he hurt his knee. Yes, but I'll tell you what, Corey Smith came in at you know the last two days. I think he said he had time for two practices or something, mm-hmm. but. If you saw his dance, oh my gosh, it was, it blew me away. He was so good. And, you know, here he, he's like, oh, I didn't even practice. So this puts some pressure on me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I will not okay, be Corey, as good as he was. So. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the secret. Maybe you just have to learn it two days before. Right. You just go up there and, and wing it. Right. And it worked like, for him. It's like a, um, like a movie from the 90s of about like athletes like you see a montage of you like practicing and you're having a little bit of trouble and like you're just not sure it's going to work out but then you get there and you just you're just well, amazing. Well, <laughs> I've tried to line dance before and I'm usually going oh. the other way every time <laughs> the rest of the people are going the other way. So that, that will tell you a little bit about my dancing ability. You just have to not dance in lines. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be a rocket. Don't try to do that. Just like yeah. I can kick. I, okay. I might be better at that, actually. They have to kick really high, though. Well, and then I'd probably fall over backwards, so. Yeah. Balance is, balance is key. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll just stick with the jumping. <laughs> All right. And it's, since Penny is participating in this event, I, I put our other ISD representatives on the spot to find out what kind of dancers they are and, and if they could bring some to the table, too. So maybe we're going to have to have our own little ISD like dance competition. Here, Which one to... of them said they were the best dancer? I'm not going to. You have to keep your secrets. I'm going to keep mine. <laughs> People will have to find out when they listen to the interview. But uh, but thank you, Penny, for, for coming in and helping to bring this to our attention um, and spread the word about the good work of Montcomeria ISD. Absolutely. We so, have a lot of fantastic staff doing fantastic work for students in this county. We serve a lot of students and we have a lot of people doing great work. I'm not going to attempt to rattle off their names beforehand because I'm going to forget them, but we, we were joined by four really awesome and dedicated MAISD people and I will let them introduce themselves. Thank our you. MAISD local stars. Thank you so much. Good morning. It's early for us. It's, well, maybe it's early for me. If we're talking to school people, I suppose you all have been up for a while, but (laughs) for me, it's early. I am Steph Reed. I am the director of the library, as usual. And we've got a party going this morning. We've got a whole crowd of people that are joining us, and it's, I am really looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. I'm just going to go around and have everybody introduce themselves. So if you could tell me, uh, who you are, what your role is, and then sort of a quick, what is your average day? Since Penny is doing the uh, Dancing with the Local Stars competition, which I know she is really pumped about, 
I'm going to see what kind of dancing energy the MAISD brings to the table, because we all know that's a really important thing to consider here. What are your dancing skills? If they come to you and they're like, hey, we need you to do this, can you step up? Well, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a question. lot. I know, I know. You be careful what you volunteer for, but um, Kyle Hamlin. I'm the superintendent of Montgomery ISD. On average day, I don't know what an average day looks like for me. So I go from policies to personnel items to, you know, somebody from the community might reach out with a question or concern. I get called by our building administrators, leaders, if they have issues going on in the building Mm -hmm. or ideas for programming or concerns they have of a situation that might be brewing. So I don't have a typical day. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I, I couldn't elaborate much more than that other than it just changes day to day, which I guess is I a feel great that. part of my job. Um, so in terms of dancing with stars, I can get down. So, um, <laughs> but I'm not volunteering for dances with the stars. So I do, you know, I'm, I'm more of a, you know, sit in the seat dancer kind of thing. But, oh, okay. Um, so we were, okay. We were getting a little bit conf- like cocky there yeah. for a second, but it, it so, was, we were bluffing. Yeah. Just a little oh, bit. Oh, I'm not bluffing, yeah, but okay. uh, I'm not volunteering either. But, okay. All right. Um, <laughs> close to, close to the But I, you know, I, I think it's, I do agree with you that Penny brings energy to a room. So she's, uh, we'll hear, we're hearing all about it in the office. Oh yeah. I'm not surprised. She around humming her tune that she's dancing to and see her practicing her moves as she sashaying about the building but i 100 percent can see that all right hi i'm cindy de young i am the early childhood special ed supervisor so i supervise birth to three services which is early on a typical day for me is like all of us will probably say it could be anything in terms of talking to families supervising staff because early on is a statewide program that every county has a program. There's a lot of state level meetings, coordinator meetings, those kind of connections, communicating with how things are going across the county with all the staff, all the families. We and at the ISD serve seven, seven districts. And mm-hmm. so I supervise um, st- staff in all seven districts who provide services for families in every corner of our county. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes that looks like spending a lot of time in my car, driving around, um, observing staff or supporting staff where they need it and it just every day is very different if it's hard to picture how much space that covers sometime when you don't have anything to do on a given day try starting at one of the corners of the county and then just (laughs) drive around the boundaries and that should give you a good idea And, and i think because if you look at our map we have the map of the county but we serve the school districts in the county right and right many of so our spills school districts, over a little bit yeah actually a lot like some of our school districts are only half in, in our county oh okay. and so we can go and so we can and early on can serve people who actually live in nuego county but they're tri-county schools mm-hmm. and so we serve them or they're way up north and they live in the very part of montebello so they're very close to mount pleasant but they're still in our school district. Mm-hmm. So I can have providers who will drive an hour to a visit and then an hour to their next visit and because we provide services in the home. So it just it's very unique and every day is different for them and every day is different than for me. Important. <laughs> oh, dancing. Oh, Can't I absolutely that. would not be on Dancing with the Stars. No one would want me to do that. I have very little dancing ability. Okay. But but just, I yeah, know, Kyle, just a reminder, this is not being videotaped right I now. Think, so. I think he's, Kyle he's really would to... like to do it. And I think Was Penny... that a cowboy maneuver? Was no, there a no, lasso? Sure. <laughs> she, she's showing the move. 
I am Kristen Larson. I am the principal over at Cider Education Center um, and also a special ed supervisor and supervise our Greenville uh, local ISD programs. Um, day to day. Oh, wow. Day to day is very different every single day. My day usually starts around five, uh, making sure that we're fully staffed for our coverages in our buildings, um, which is always fun to try to figure out. And then, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. And then low it, level sarcasm. Yeah. Very low <laughs> level sarcasm there. But um, that's always a puzzle first thing in the morning. And then kind of move on just to the day to day operations of being a building principal. So supporting with student behaviors, doing observations like Cindy kind of mentioned, meetings for students with families. Yeah. No day is ever the same at Cider okay. Education Center. So we're definitely busy, which is part of what I like about it, though. And yes. I enjoy that no day is ever, ever the same. It keeps it interesting. A hundred percent does. Um, in terms of dancing, uh, <laughs> that would be a no. Um, I am a dance mom. My middle daughter dances on a dance team and I see the hard work that she puts into it, learning dances. And there is no way in the world I could do anything close to that. Okay, you're a vicarious dancer then. I'm a vic. I live yes. through my daughter dancing on the stage. <laughs> my name is Shannon Tripp. I'm the associate superintendent of career tech ed and early college. My typical day, I usually start at the Montcalm Area Career Center because I'm the principal of that building. We greet students in the door. We have a little over 300 students that come to our building each day, make sure my staff is all going. And then there are some days that it's a little crazier than others, like last Thursday when the snow started right at the time that buses were getting on the road. And then I was on the phone with lots of our local districts figuring out who was coming to the Career Center and who was deciding to keep their students at their local. Um, parent issues, staff issues. Um, I'm also the instructional leader in the building. So um, training for my teachers, evaluating my teachers, um, trying to improve our practice every day. I'm the director of the early college program next door at Montcalm Community College. So I have four staff over there, about 60 students, and those students are working on their associate's degree while they're still in high school. Uh -huh. Supervise that staff and evaluate and same instructional leader and, and trying to improve our practice there every day. So just like everyone else has said, it just depends on the day what, right, what we're doing. Yeah. So. Um, as far as Dancing with the Stars, I'm going to tell a secret to my colleagues that they don't Ooh, know about me. Okay. So. Up until I was like in my mid-teens, I took ballet, tap, and jazz lessons. What? So, okay. you know, I could I could dance a little bit probably. Nobody in this room knew that? No. <laughs> no, I did okay. not know that. that Secrets being revealed. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. You're next on the list. Jane. No, I don't I, know if okay. I want to do that publicly. Do I need it's to been... cut that part? I don't want to. I nervous about where she was going with it. Okay. <laughs> okay. I don't want to say about. how many years it's been between my mid-teens and my age today. So it's been a little while since I've danced about which one did you have a favorite of the? Of I mean, the jazz, of course, is more fun because okay. it's more upbeat. And but I love tap dancing too. That was okay. That was good. So it sounds like we've got some serious admin in the house this morning. Okay, mm. this sounds all very familiar because so much of being an administrator is just trying to keep the wheels moving, keep the train on the track. But what that means, of course, is that there's a lot of pieces to this whole story and a lot of components that all come together to make the entirety of the Montcalm area. The only person I knew in this room before coming in, because Penny couldn't make it here today, uh, was Kyle. And we were in a Leadership Montcalm group together. But I always like to trumpet Leadership Montcalm because it's such a cool program. Could you sort of come at it from the absolute top level? What drives having all of these services 
in one place as opposed to, say, service in the individual school districts. You just have a lot more voices. Right. And so when you have local districts who are very different in size and the way they look and demographically in terms of the students we serve are, are pretty close. Mm-hmm. When you start thinking of economic diversity here mm-hmm. in the county, we don't have a lot of diversity per se, but right. we have a lot of economic similarities you know, right. in terms of poverty levels. Some districts have more resources than others. Mm-hmm. Greenville is our largest district, so they have a lot more. So they they may not need as much support on certain things. But when you're looking at um, you know a district like Vesterberg that has just a handful of administrators, um, we sometimes get pulled in to support them, not necessarily to do the work or whatever they're working through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but sometimes there's safety in numbers and in terms of reaching out and saying, hey, I've never dealt with this. How do I do that? But um, we do a lot of uh, pulling people together, so we don't have our instructional services department represented here today, um, but we do a lot of professional development. So that will gather data from the county and find the commonalities and needs, so whether mm-hmm. it be literacy or math things. So we'll coordinate a lot of those and bring people into, whether it be Title IX training or evaluation training. Penny's not here today because she's coordinating our countywide counselors meeting. Like Adele's mm-hmm. not here, so she leads the elementary and secondary principals meetings. A lot of our folks attend these meetings because they have latest and greatest information coming down from the mm-hmm. Department of Education. We have a superintendent's meeting, so that usually is once a month. We have our legislators usually attend that, so we'll talk about concerns we might have from a local level that's related to policies and education. Mm-hmm. And then we have curriculum coordinators at all the districts attend those. Many of our superintendents double up as the curriculum directors for their, oh, their okay. district. Yep. So they attend the superintendent meeting and then show up in the afternoon for the curriculum directors meeting as well. A lot of our um, lifting as an ISD comes from economy of scale and just bringing people mm-hmm. together, whether it be training, updated topics, legislative priorities, budgeting of the states get into the conversations for the 2024-25 budget right now. So just trying to, to stay ahead of those uh, topics so that we sometimes have the freedom to go and do some of those mm-hmm. things that a district may not be able to do. So we try to be a resource um, right, more right. than anything. We talk, talked about early college, so we do a lot with Montcalm Community College, which is not the same as Montcalm Area Career Center. So we run into that a little <laughs> Thank bit. Thank you. <laughs> um, the ISD runs the Career Center. The college is just a good partner. A lot of the lifting that we do is trying to see a need and fill a need. I don't think it's going to be news to anybody listening to this that the schools have a lot on their plate and they have a lot they have to accomplish with sometimes limited resources. And the fact that any of that can be outsourced, so to speak, and those needs can be filled sort of semi-universally from one district to, to the next. It's also not news to any of us that the different districts are going to be funded differently and their needs might be a little bit different. So yeah, there are a lot of right. examples. We do a lot of guided school improvement activities with the local schools to help them as they're building their school improvement plans. And one of the things right now we're looking at doing as well as the strategic planning, um, we're looking at the one we have as well. And then obviously, you know, if anybody's reading the newspaper and, and seeing, you know, Facebook and social media, we have a been doing a lot with uh, bond planning right now. Kyle's role and the people at the Helen Hamler building are really doing administrative support to the districts. And then the three of us are doing, we're doing student level support to the districts because all of us provide services to local district students because students are their district's resident first, right? Mm -hmm. So we're kind of on the kid level 
on the student level, <laughs> um, supporting kids every day in lots of different ways. And then we have a whole team of people who are really at the administrative level because the adults in those districts are supporting the kids. Right. So right. it all comes down to the kids eventually. Yeah. But we kind of have different roles. Um kind of what we do every day. I'm not going to lie. Your job sounds like way less fun, Kyle. I'm a little biased on the kids' side. I'll be perfectly honest. I feel like they're the fun ones kids to work with. Kids are bucket with. fillers. Yeah. I think yeah. we can all say that I... here. And, and these ladies get to see them more than I do because I work in a home visiting program. Mm -hmm. So I don't have a building where they come to, although right. I do get to see the transition students who are the older students. But that's that's why we get up in the morning. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's because we want to work with the kids, and right. and it's great that we get we get to see them in a different mm -hmm. way than than the upper administration does. Mm -hmm. And and I'd like to reiterate what Cindy just said that I I think even at our level, um, whether it be business office or just down the hallway, you know, whether anybody in whether instructional services, our priority are students. So. Oh yeah, no um, one's questioning that. I'm just saying that you no, get no, you I'm get the less fun part of it. Correct, which <laughs> states that that. We try to do what's best for kids. Mm -hmm. You get one of the most fun groups. I, again, a little biased. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know if Shannon would agree, but, you know, we I all do. Yeah. We all, we all yeah. If I, you're a high school person, you're not into. <laughs> fair. I mean, they, they all have their different, their different. They, I think I get definitely. the best. I have the whole you, you spectrum. You have everybody. That's so, fair. I mean, I have That's everybody. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It, isn't it a good sign when you're like, oh, I get yeah. the best job? You yeah, you find your niche. Yeah. So, Cindy, from the early childhood side, can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit about um, what goes into those programs? Yeah. And so at the ISD, we operate early on, which is a statewide program. Each ISD in the state runs one, runs a program. It's for children who are birth to age three. And it's a home visiting program that's free for families for students who have a delay or a, a pre-existing condition. Mm -hmm. So we get referrals because kids are born every day. So we get referrals every day. Um, and we reach out to the family. We ask if they're interested in our program. It's a voluntary program, but it is free. Um, and we support families in supporting their kids' development. So mm -hmm. we it's really about parent coaching. It happens in the home, which is where kids are when they're that age. Mm -hmm. um, and we support the adults, the caregivers, the grandparents, the parents that that are caregiving and taking care of their kids. And so we're coaching them to support their kids. We generally will provide sometimes one time a week, sometimes twice a month, sometimes once a month, mm -hmm. and depending on what the family and the child needs. But if we're there once a week, think about all the hours that we're not there. And so yes. we're there to support the families because they're supporting their kids. Right, yeah. We're really partners with the families, and it just depends on what the area of need is. If the child is having um, delays in mo gross motor, say they're not walking when they typically um, would be, or they're not talking, um, or all of the things, we support that development. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I, I will acknowledge that, um, that having a conversation about the early on program actually makes me kind of emotional because um it's it's been a huge part of my family's life for um six well no yeah about six years now mm -hmm. um I have I have two boys one who's in first grade here in Greenville and one who um is gonna turn three on Saturday um <laughs> and that means he's graduating out right. of early on and so actually that, that is one of the things about early on kids are born every day and kids turn three every day mm -hmm. so so the services were pretty, pretty strict about that, and we have to be. The, the law requires it. So 
we kind of have this rolling enrollment. We don't have a cohort. We don't start when, in August and end in May. Right. Um, we provide services as soon as we, as soon as a kid um, needs it, or sometimes that's the day they're born. Mm-hmm. And then we end when they're three. We are a year-round program. So as you probably know, you mm-hmm. know, we provide services all year round. We're not just a school year program. Right, right. So that's it's not it's, as though they're just going to hit pause. The kids right. are going to, yeah, they need to keep they, going. And especially at that young er, young age like that's such a critical growth period so we don't take breaks we do take breaks but we don't take the summer Mm -hmm. but as you know when you're ready to your child's ready to turn three and you're well ready to move on to the next thing after early on if you build a relationship with your provider you may have somebody who came into your home for three years you know that's a yeah that's a big and it's your home and it's 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 supporting where where all the living is happening and and so those are big changes for families and the kids get really attached to the caregivers too. Like it, they're a vital part of their mm-hmm. their life. For my oldest, we hit that that three mark. There was still work that needed mm-hmm. to be done, and we transitioned to yep. into the next level. And he has an IEP in the first grade um, system. I mean, he didn't walk until he was almost two. And mm-hmm. when you're a parent of really young kids, it's just mm-hmm. it's so heartbreaking, and you feel so powerless. So we're there to support the families, right? Yes. To tell them. So our tagline is "Don't worry, but don't wait." If you have yes. concerns about your child, call 1-800-EARLY-ON or go to www.earlyon.org. But it is that piece where we want to support um, families where they are. And if there's a child who continues to need services after three in Montcalm County, the, that transitions to the local school district. Mm-hmm. So we support you through that. If the child qualifies, they would need an IEP to continue to get services, whether it's physical therapy. I'm, or, I'm already or, falling into that trap of the acronyms. It's so yeah, easy to do that. Excuse- Individualized education plan. You are right. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so so early on is countywide for birth to three. And then when a kid turns three, if they still need services, they would go to their local district. So if you mm-hmm. live in Greenville, you'd be the services would be provided by Greenville Public Schools mm-hmm. um, or Montebello or Tri-County or wherever it is that you live. So we, as the early on staff, support that transition. We help with that evaluation. We feel like we pass the baton as gently as we can Mm -hmm. um, so that the family feels comfortable with the way that changes. So that's a big transition for families when you've had someone come in your home and then that's transition. But we want to support that. So hopefully you felt supported. Yeah, yeah. We had a wonderful experience with it in both cases. I will underscore how important it is if you have concerns. The worst mm-hmm. thing that happens is that they come yep. and evaluate them and yep. they, it turns we, out they don't We need come it. out and then we determine, oh, really? Things are on track. These are a couple of things you could do. That happens all the time for mm-hmm. us. And if that is what gives you the peace of mind and your child doesn't need that extra support, well, great. One of the other things that we do is we provide weekly playgroups all throughout the county. Mm-hmm. So those are for anybody, children birth to five, um, for families to come. They don't necessarily have to have an IEP um, or be enrolled in early on. It's for anybody to to engage and get out of get the house, the community. get out of the, the house, kids. socialize yep. the kids, socialize <laughs> the parents. Grandparents can bring the children. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do one in Greenville, one in Sydney at the um, MAC, the Career Center, mm-hmm. um, one in Tri-County and one in Montebello. So if you go to our website, you can get all that information. But that's another way we support. We staff it. We supervise it. We Everybody gets a book. Um, we have a book theme for every month. Mm-hmm. And so it's a really great way for families to connect with each other, but also for kids to have some time to play together. And it's so much fun. I haven't done the ones here in in Montcalm County, but I did them in Allegan County when I was a librarian Mm -hmm. down there. I think a cool thing about your guys' playgroups, too, is that you guys have a lot of different people there. So when my Mm -hmm. kiddos were in early on, 
we had an OT occupational therapist there who noticed something about somebody else or one of my kids who was able to tell their provider. And so really looking at the whole child. So it was very helpful. They're staffed by teachers, speech therapists, physical therapists, occupational therapists. So we're there to look at your whole child. If there's a concern, then we are there. We want to answer questions. We want to support families. I could talk about this all day, but I'm going to resist. And I could too. We need to move on to other people. Well, I I want before we move on, I want to quick Mm -hmm. mention too. You all have an affiliation with the Great Start program as well, right? So, so we have the Great Start Collaborative, Mm -hmm. and so that is a countywide program um, that supports families in so many ways. Um, And then we that is part of Great Start Readiness Preschool, which is a state funded preschool for four year olds. So we're all connected. And so the Great Start Collaborative is, yeah, they support families with playgroups and uh, activities, like they just did the Tooth Fairy um, yeah, the activity. Yeah, the Great Start stuff is so much fun. And okay. so <laughs> we always say that that's sort of the gen ed component of early mm-hmm. childhood at Montcalm County. Right. We work together. We're in the same office. We pair together. All playgroups are funded and, and staffed together. Um, so we are connected. They're just on the sort of the gen ed whole right. community side. Right. And, and what I do is more of the special ed side. Yeah. So yeah, in conclusion, if you've got kids under five, there's yeah, fun stuff to do. So definitely go check it to out. that website, the, the Montcalm Great Start Collaborative website. There's lots of information there. I'm going to have about 300 links on the on the yes, stuff for this, this one, because I want to make sure that if you hear about anything that you were curious about, then you can check it out afterwards. Um, um, contrary to what it sounds like, I, I like the older kids too. Like <laughs> I just, my, my, my kids happen to be in that age group now, but I mean, I worked with kids up until 18. I love the older stinkers too. So many of them just, I love the attitude they bring to the table sometimes. <laughs> um, so Kristen, for anyone who is unfamiliar or does not necessarily know every aspect of what goes into the Cider Center, could you yeah, speak to that? I would love to talk about Cider Education Center. So um, Cider Education Center is a uh, center-based building for students who are most significantly impacted by their disability in the county. So we service uh, students um, who qualify for special education with a severe cognitive impairment, autism spectrum disorder, emotional impairment, uh, severe multiple impairment. We have super complex and amazing kids at Cider Education Center. Uh, We have 11 classrooms right now, um, ranging from ages four to age 26. So a very, very, very diverse building. Usually when people think of education, they think of K-12. Everything stops more or less at 18. In Michigan, that's obviously a little bit different. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, and so in Michigan, we service uh, students um, with IEP transition needs through the age of 26. So we actually operate four uh, transition programs, two of which that are housed at Cider Education Center. They would be considered more restricted, and we're really working on life skills uh, for those students. And then we also operate the Transition Center, which is in Stanton. And those uh, it's actually in the same building that uh, Cindy works in, which is interesting, right? We bookend. We have yeah. the oh, earliest okay. learners where they don't come, but... We don't, they don't come to school for us, they, yeah. we, but all our staff is housed there. And the other side of the building is our oldest learners who are 18 to 26, 18, so it's super fun. Yeah, 18 to 26, they operate the treasure shop over there, and they're working on more employability, still life mm-hmm. skills, but we know that students have transition goals, and our goals are to help them to be as successful as they can be 
when they leave us, mm-hmm. whenever that is. So oh, they okay, operate yeah. like their own daily shop that they have okay. every day so people can go in like and a, actually buy stuff from their store. Yeah. Okay. It's and then they, awesome. they go out and do work like they stock a cool, the cooler, the pop cooler at the gas station or okay. they make popcorn and sell popcorn across the street at the Montcalm mm-hmm. Road Commission. They go to Leppings and they greet. They do work mm-hmm. during their school day to help them get career ready for when it's time for them to be totally independent. I think anyone who has parents of older kids, no matter the circumstances, probably has a good grasp of the fact that they don't magically become self-reliant when they're 18, even more so when there are limitations associated with it. I think it's fantastic that it's something that continues past that age to the older kids. Right. And they're doing life skill stuff like they make their own breakfast and they make their own lunch. And all of our kids need to work on that. But some kids need more practice and more specific practice. And that's the sort of thing that they're getting at the transition center. Mm-hmm. How big is the need in the county, would you say? Do you, how how big are are the groups that we are working with at this point? Over at Cider? Yes. Yeah. So I say that the need is great. So as we, uh, we have a lot of students um, who have really complex needs throughout mm-hmm. our entire county, uh, whether that is behavioral, uh, academic, Socially, like the needs for supporting complex students Uh is great. And we know that we need to uh, educate them in their least restrictive environment. Um, But sometimes they just need additional support. So we also operate our local programs, which are housed in two districts, Central Montcalm and Greenville Public Schools. Uh ISD operates them. And again, we service students from all seven local school districts. So Uh we have students from every area of of the county because it's a service we provide to the locals because you don't have enough students in your school district to operate one of those programs. In early on, our numbers, we generally sit at about 140 students at any given time. Mm-hmm. Like we said, the kids are born and turn three every day. So right. it's sort of that revolving door. We generally get about 350 to 400 referrals a year. Okay. Um, and sometimes those parents, when we get a referral, say, no, thank you. And then sometimes they don't qualify and then, you know, they move on. Mm-hmm. So we said that's about what we sit at. Um, how many kids yeah, about, at Cider right now? We have about 95 students at a ton Cider Education okay. Center. Um, and about, I would say, about 130 within our local programs, including the Transition Center. Okay. So this, yeah, this is definitely not a small group. It is not a small group. Right. And it's, they're very, very complex students. And like we said, these are students from everywhere in the county from... From very up at the top of Montebello to Greenville to Tri-County. So we, mm-hmm. we provide services to all the kids, which means they, they take the bus. And so mm-hmm. transportation is a whole other part of what we do. Um, we, we transport them. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. for early on, but for the older grades. So, mm-hmm. so you see our yellow buses, our Montcalm area ISD buses are putting a lot of miles driving kids you right, know, where they yeah. need to be. Do you all go into daycare facilities as well? If that's what works for the family. Okay. So what we would prefer to do is not solely provide services at the daycare, uh-huh. but sometimes what we'll do is do, um, if it's weekly, two times a month at the child care and then two times a month with the family uh-huh. so that we can just make sure everyone's connected. But yeah, yes, absolutely. I just wanted to mention, because I think some families, care. especially if you've got multiple working parents, they're like, I would do this yeah. if I had time. Yep. Um, but there, there is that aspect to the support absolutely. too. So. And if grandma and grandpa do childcare, then we can go to their house. Yeah, you know, we, we meet them where the kid is. There's a phrase that is coming up 
again and again that is the um, the least restrictive environment concept. Um, anybody want to take a quick version of why that's important? Well, we know that students need access to their general education peers, and by law, they need to be educated in the in their least restrictive environment. Uh-huh. Um, and then through the IEP process, we determine what supplemental aids and services they may need to be able to stay there. But some students need more, and so then they would, you know, add programs and our services. Uh-huh. But least restrictive environment is is super important uh-huh. and something that we definitely strive. I also add that if a student comes to Cider Education Center or one of our ISD local programs, our goal really is to teach them whatever skills, whatever lagging skills they have so that we're able to help them transition back to their resident local district because Uh um, that's also very important. We want them in their home community, but when they're with us, we also want them to feel like they're a huge part of our community. Uh And least restrictive changes, so that's why our least restrictive environment for birth to three is in their home. We mm-hmm. don't take six-month-olds and bring them to school. That's right. that's not where they're learning. But as they get older, then that is school, and then every kid has different needs. So sometimes mm-hmm. a student's least restrictive environment is their neighborhood school, and and for some kids it's cider because the needs are higher, and then mm-hmm. there's more services that are that are appropriate for them. And I want to just add to that process of having a student come to cider education center or one of our local programs is really run through the local school district. Uh-huh. So through their IEP team, the locals reach out to us and ask for additional support and our services, and then the IEP places them within our program. Uh-huh. So we are definitely providing a service to the local school districts and the students. There's so much collaboration. And at the end of the day, everybody just wants these kids to to get the support they need. Obviously, you all are not replacing any of that so you all are building on it creating an extra framework that that holds it up i love that so we're getting a little older we're sort of moving up the scale of <laughs> yeah. um, age wise yeah, we sat here in the perfect order yeah it worked out nicely i like i i always worry that i'm gonna forget somebody's name or for you know forget some piece of context so thank you for making my job easier we're really good at visual support yeah, yeah there we go yes <laughs> yes you're supporting me right now thank you i totally went to we've been sitting here a while we're getting older while we sit here <laughs> <laughs> No, that was not what I was saying. You want to start with the career center? Sure. Okay. Well, yes. when we're talking about the older kids, when we're talking about the ones that um, are less precocious and a little bit more <laughs> feisty, this is your focus is is general education more rather than special education. More, yes, but we definitely have um, special education students who attend the career center because career and technical education is good for absolutely many yes. kids, absolutely all kids. So. Um, Kyle talked about economies of scale, and I think that that is why the Career Center exists, because we have programs that our local districts couldn't afford to run. You know, not every district can't have the 12 programs that we have. I mean, it just would be so cost prohibitive. So it makes sense for us to come together as a county, provide those programs to all kids in the county. Mm -hmm. So um, we currently run um, 12 programs at our building. And some of them are designed for students to take the program and go directly into the workforce. Some of them are designed for students to take the program and their education either at a university or some kind of um, trade school or something Uh beyond high school. But really, our main goal is career exploration, because Uh I think as educators, part of our job is to help kids uh, try things out, test test out what they might want to do for a living, because... 
not all of us know when we're 16 uh, what we want to do. Okay, who knows when they're 16? <laughs> what that like? Who like really knows? Uh, yeah, right. And yeah. so we try to make our programs as as much like a job site as possible. Mm-hmm. So they really get that feeling of what it's like to do this job on a day to day basis. Um, to see if that's what they want to do. And when we're recruiting for Career Center, we tell the students, if you come out and take a program and find out that you hate it and that's not what you want to do for a living, then that was a success Mm -hmm. because now you've eliminated one area that you don't have to, you know, work that direction even longer and, and waste that time. You can now move on to something else that you think you might be interested in. Yeah, that is so phenomenal that that is something that they have the opportunity to do honestly when when we were in leadership Montcalm, we we toured the career center and um as you mentioned it is not mcc it's just really close to it, it is <laughs> the, the and building we, is right there and we so. have similar initials so it gets right, yeah. it gets very mixed up but we <laughs> we are 100% high school level yes. programming run by the isd we do not have college students in our building mm-hmm. um Every semester when the college is starting up, we have a few students who will wander into our building looking for their <laughs> college classes. And so we have to direct, redirect them. Right. But yeah, it does get confusing. But we are a high school level program. Right. And then they're like, wait, why didn't I get to do this when I was in high school? Right. I really wish I had done this when I <laughs> yes. when I was younger. Um, but no, what I was going to say is just walking through the building, I was thinking to myself, man, even as a grown up, I kind of wish that I, <laughs> I could just spend a few days in each of these rooms getting to do because they get to do some really interesting cool stuff and they get to do it hands-on and, and it's you know very practical applications can you talk a little bit about some of the programs sure so um brand new program that we started this year is business i should say restarted we had business several years ago um the enrollment uh waned a little bit and so it ended up closing but we have reopened that this year so um, we're excited to have that back in the building because business is an essential part of mm-hmm. everything. Absolutely. And so if you have a, a business background, you could really work in most industries. Then three years ago, we started a digital arts program. So these are students who are learning how to build websites, social media posting, photography, um, because that's a job title now. Mm-hmm. Like if you're in charge of somebody's social media presence, that's a full-time job for yep. some companies. When I started as a teacher at the Career Center, that was not a thing. That was mm-hmm. unheard of. And so part of our job, too, is to make sure we, we stay on the edge of what's up and coming. Right. So right. that we're training students for jobs that are not here yet. Um, we have an educational careers program that is near and dear to our heart because we there's a teacher shortage. Mm-hmm. And so if we can grow some of our own teachers and hopefully they come back to Montcalm County and help us fill some of these positions that we struggle to fill, um, we would love to do that. Um, but of course, those students are going to have to continue on their education because you can't be a teacher right out of high school. So um, they know going into that one. Which is probably one, for the best. Right, right. <laughs> they know going into that one, there'll be some more education required. But those students spend half their year out in classrooms mm-hmm. with students practicing lesson plans, practicing delivery of instruction. So they really have a good idea when they finish the program if they truly want to be a teacher. Right. And so rather than spend four years in college and then find out during your student teaching that that's not really what you want to do, mm-hmm. um, it's so much better to do it now with us. And then we have health careers, which is an exciting program for students just because of everything they can walk out of there with. So if they take the class as a junior, they get their certified nursing assistant license. And wow, then I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. And then their second, they can come back their senior year take it as a second year student and walk out with their medical assisting license. So 
they could be very employable mm-hmm. directly out of high school. Most of the students do that work in those fields while they're continuing their education mm-hmm. because their ultimate goal is something higher in the healthcare field. Mm-hmm. But it gives them opportunity to work in the field while they're continuing training. Right. Our second year students also get some phlebotomy training. So they actually can work as phlebotomists right out of high school as well. We have a public safety program. So anyone who's interested in anything in the field of criminal justice, Uh so lawyers, paralegals, corrections officers, police officers, if they have an interest in any field in criminal justice, that's a great class for them to see if if that's truly a good fit for them. Uh And then we have an ag science program. So um, we run the only chapter of FFA in the county. So if students are into agriculture or Uh, We have a lot of students who want to be veterinarians or vet techs. Mm -hmm. Um, We spend about one semester focused on animals and one semester focused on plants and crops and landscaping and floriculture and all the things that have to do with more plant side. I remember there being a bunch of bunnies in that room. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We actually have a bunny right now who's due to have bunny babies on Thursday. So. Um, yes, we have uh, all kinds. And then that that program also has a beautiful greenhouse on the front of the building. So always things growing in there, whether it's plants or animals. So they also do a project of uh, salmon release. So we pick up salmon eggs in November, they hatch them out, and then in April they release them into the river. So uh-huh. helping our environment at the same time that they're learning. Uh, we have a CAD and engineering program. So students who are thinking they want to work in um So typically we have our juniors take CAD so that they learn how to use the software, Uh make the drawings, um, and then they come back for a second year and do our engineering program. And the kind of the way we describe it is the CAD students do all the the fine detail stuff. The engineering students are our problem solvers. Okay. So here we have this problem. What are some ways we can solve it? They come up with some ideas. The CAD students draw it up. It might be something we can 3D print and try it because that's a lot cheaper than machining a part out of metal. Uh Uh-huh. So they 3D print it. We test it out, see if it works. If it doesn't, engineers step back in. They've got to try plan B. Um, So they work well together as a team. We have electric car races. We have robotics teams, um, both underwater robotics and um, on land robotics. Uh Um, So a lot happening in that class all the time because every kid is working on something different. Uh Um, And then we have a welding program, which is very popular. Um, It's full every year Uh with a waiting list. Um, because welding is something that they can walk out with certifications yeah. and get a fantastic job right now. So Yeah, it's a very lucrative industry, definitely. Yes. Yep. Uh, we have auto and diesel, so kind of similar. So our auto kids work on more of the passenger-type vehicles, and our diesel students work on the um, larger pieces of equipment that have, more, that have diesel engines. Uh-huh. Um, so they're working on semis and tractors and buses and Um, And then our auto kids are working on passenger vehicles. Those two programs are always very busy, a lot going on in there all the time. Our students who are the most hands-on love those two programs because they spend so much time with their hands in an engine and tearing things apart. And then our final program is construction. So our construction program every other year builds an entire house. Uh So the students get to learn from foundation and framing and roofing and siding one year and then the next year they learn drywall and trim and painting and installing cupboards and wiring and plumbing and 
So uh, everything that goes into building a house over a two-year period. The other thing I remember thinking as I was going through there, and um, I will fully acknowledge that part of this is because I have ADHD and I I, I, I get shiny object syndrome, hardcore. <laughs> but like every every program that we went into and we're, we're you know, getting a, a taste of what it looked like, I was like, oh, this sounds like fun. And I, right? I just like, I wanted to do every single one. Well, yeah, trust like, me, as the principal of the building, I would like to take several right? of the classes. Yeah. So part of me really wishes I could go back in time and mm-hmm. get to, to do that. I mean, I would love to take construction, not because I want to work in that industry, right? but just yeah. so I could do the stuff in my own house. And one of the I feel like one of the conversations we have a lot about having kids be prepared to go out into the world these days is that this concept that the school system is not adequately preparing them for practical skills when they leave home and I mean, there are definitely aspects of this that have very practical application, even if you don't necessarily end up doing it professionally. You take auto, you learn to work on your own car. It'll save you some money when you're an adult and have to do that. So, yeah, there are lots of ways they can use the information, even if it ends up not being their full-time career. And then you all work with the early college program as well, right? Yes. So that program started in 2013-14 school year um, as a partnership, actually, between the ISD and the community college. So to confuse our affiliation even more, we decided to partner and create a program together. Um, So this program is housed completely on Montcalm Community College's campus. Um, It's for students who are going into their junior year of high school, and they attend at MCC their junior year, their senior year, and a 13th year. And then they graduate with their associate's degree and their high school diploma at the end of that 13th year. And the best thing for families is we pay the tuition and fees and buy all of the books. So if you're looking at the cost of college, um, the thought of getting your first couple years paid for by someone else, um, I don't know how you can go wrong there. Yeah, I mean, it is a not an intense program necessarily, but you have to be like a serious student to really accomplish it. One of our staff here, her daughter did the early college program and it was a perfect fit for her. And now... She is just making it happen. It's definitely about motivation. And um, the really cool thing is we are now seeing the fruits of some of our labor because we have a student who went through early college is now a teacher at Vestaberg at the middle school. And then one of our um, former early college students is a 31N counselor serving our students over in the Carson City District. So Mm -hmm. we're seeing them finish their education at a university and then come back and, and provide services to our students. Which is huge. That's that's one thing that it's, again, if you work in nonprofits, if you work, you know, in government, one of the big conversations that keeps circling in these um, groups, and this is something that's getting talked about at the state level, too, with some of Governor Whitmer's programs, that how do we, are people here? How do we keep them invested in our, um, in our communities? How do we invest in them so that they want to, um, to stay here and I think both of those programs do a phenomenal job of of making those kids feel supported so that they want to, you know, they want to stay home, so to speak. Yep, definitely. And at at the Career Center, we have uh, we're required to have advisory committees of industry people who advise us on all those new up and coming things that we need to know about. Mm -hmm. And so I had no problem reaching out to my former early college student who is now a teacher and saying, will you serve on the advisory board for our educational careers program? And he said, absolutely. So. Um, I'm definitely going to exploit those relationships and um, make sure we can work with those people going forward. Take advantage of, not exploit. Oh, okay. That's a better word. Better word. A huge takeaway from this is is definitely that we have a lot going on at the ISD. I've been able to um, to tour facilities and stuff like that. 
And then, of course, with early, I had personal experience with that. But I still, even with Penny and I talking about this, I was like, holy cow, you all do all of that? And I have a feeling that there was still a, a few things that didn't even get touched on. I think we were all really good at being speakers about our role as in the community. As an administrator, you get used to the elevator pitch. You get, you, you get used <laughs> to trying to... Um, trying to succinctly explain what, what your organization does. But my favorite stories when is always how you as individuals sort of got pulled into these roles or rather fell or I keep making it sound like it's accidentally like, like you're just tumbling down the hill into these roles. But how does your role feel meaningful to you? Have you had moments where you thought, yes, I am, I am doing what I love doing. Have you had those aha moments in your, in your career? I think all of us started started our careers in what we're supervising now in some mm-hmm. way. Yeah. So I think no. that we've we've done this for a long time and I mean I have done early childhood for 25 years and and so that is just my like just what I love. But mm-hmm. when you get those feedback when you get the parents who say, you know, our life is better because this provider came out and our child learn to talk or our child learn to walk because mm-hmm. of your support. I mean, those are goosebump moments because you know it really impacted the child. It's going to impact them in the future and it really made an impact in the family. So, mm-hmm. um, yes, we get those and those are really great days. Yeah, and I think probably everybody in this room has a story of how they landed. You know, for me, I worked juvenile corrections for mm-hmm. quite a few years and the commonality I noticed with a lot of the students that where I'm, you know, I was a child development worker was my title. Mm-hmm. Um, many of them did not have a male role model. Okay. And so I was in the process of completing my degree. And so I switched from psychology to elementary was my focus. So mm-hmm. I, be, you know, I went in and became an elementary teacher. Um, and that was my driving force in getting into education. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as you go through, it's like, okay, I want to have a bigger impact. And where do you do that? Mm-hmm. So maybe in some cases you take on a, a leadership role in the build, building, whether it be school improvement or whether it be leading an after-school program, Mm -hmm. somebody sees something in you and encourages you to apply for something. And so Mm -hmm. then you end up in an administrative role. And then again, the goal is, and so for me, you know, I I don't ever walk into work thinking, why do I do this? Mm -hmm. There are days where you go home and think, okay, I didn't handle that as well as I could have, or boy, that didn't go well. Um, There's quite a few of those days, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, where you go home when you question, you know, are you the right person or should should somebody else's voice be uh, better at lifting whatever you're working on? Um, but the biggest frustrations I have is when I can't get them what they need. So my biggest stressor is knowing Kristen and her building. Um, you know, and she may not hear this from me all the time, but I think it's important for her to hear, you know, not being able to give the people who are working hard every day mm-hmm. what they need um, to support the kids and staff in the building. When Lakeview, when I was a soup there, it was, you know, our funding was tight. So, you know, we weren't giving increases and in raises. And so, mm-hmm. you know, people work hard and you want to recognize yeah. that by giving, you know, raises and increases. And, mm-hmm. you know, and the best you can give sometimes is kudos or a thank right. you. And, and many people appreciate, since you know, the sincerity of those. But so for me, it is more about when you can't provide what the people need, the things you're doing on a day-to-day basis, whether it be Shannon, Cindy, or Kristen, or anybody else for that matter. I think it's a really beautiful summation of, of so many people get into um, administration. It's not because 
they're like, oh man, I need to get away from these kids. Like, <laughs> they're not they're not tired of being in the classroom necessarily. They're not tired of being around the kids. It's that sort of call to, I I feel great that I'm I'm um, having this positive impact on these individual students. It's such a great experience. But is there a way that I can even yeah. do more? Um, I feel I, from my end, I'm a layer removed even more at the ISD level mm -hmm. because in, you know I'll, I'll go back to Lakeview. You know, you had building administrators and there was me. There wasn't a layer of associate soups who were overseeing people running programs. Mm -hmm. And so my office was located centrally on campus. You know, the 4-7 building was right next door. And I'd walk to my truck going somewhere or whatever, you know, in the middle of the day. And you'd hear those kids outside at recess and you'd hear them hollering your name on the playground. <laughs> and, Hi, Mr. Hamlet. And, and, you know, that's probably, you know, the coolest experience you can get, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of. Okay, you know, kids know you and recognize you, whether it be the brief pop-ins you're doing or the, you know, during March's reading month, you know, because when you're an administrator and not directly in the building, mm -hmm. you know, your interactions sometimes become those invitations at that level. So mm -hmm. um, definitely miss the kid interaction because, you know, that's what fills your bucket, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and that's why I've always said this is the top level of my career for me because I don't ever want to be not in a building with kids yeah. every day. This is where I'm meant to be because if I'm having a hard day, I go walk around my classrooms and yeah. inevitably by the end of my walk around, they've made me laugh. They've, you know, done something that was just corny and, you know, they're just wonderful to be around. So I need that in my life every day because parts of this job are really hard too. So um, you got to balance. Yeah, you, yeah. you learn some lessons. Like for me, that it was always the babies. You know, you go on and see the silly or funny things they do in the building, but you avoid ketchup and hot dog days in the lunchroom. <laughs> um, you know, you walk through and they just want to hug you and touch you and you got ketchup oh, and yeah, mustard all over yeah. you. You're like, what's for lunch today before I walk through that room? But, uh, um, so yeah, little lessons. We don't, we don't budget for this. We don't, there's not a line item in it, but like there, so much of all of this comes down to the relationships with the kids too and how powerful it can be to connect there are adults in these classrooms and in these buildings that you matter to them, that, that they care about you. And like, it's something that, that just sort of happens organically. It makes so much more of a difference for so many kids. And it doesn't happen often enough, but it does happen where a student that you had three, four, five years ago will either come back and visit or write you a letter or, and just say, you had a huge impact on my life. And then that's what makes you go, okay, I'm, I'm in the right place. I'm doing what I need to do. Uh, what do you all think that in your, in your day to day that you see that the average resident or, or caregiver, you know, parent, grandparent in this County doesn't get to see or isn't aware of? You hear a lot. Every generation always says, oh, these kids, they're, you know, our, our future is hopeless because these kids aren't motivated. They don't work hard. They're, you know, whatever older adults say about kids. Uh -huh. um, but if you're with them every day and you work with them and, and we often invite industry professionals into our building mm -hmm. to do some activities with our kids. And one of them said to me last year, this has given me hope for our next generation because I hear all those negative things and spending the whole day with these high school kids, I now know that what they're saying is not, not correct. Uh -huh. Like these kids are awesome. Uh -huh. You know, they are working hard. They are motivated. They are going to be great in the future. So I I want everyone to know that. Like, uh -huh. rest assured. <laughs> <laughs> We're in good hands. <laughs> yes, these kids are going to be fabulous. 
I, and I appreciate Shannon's statement. Kids are kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you take a genuine interest and you peel back the layers of the onion, so to speak, that kid's still there. And that, mm-hmm. you know, they, even though, you know, the older they get, they don't have much as much use for adults, you know, when they think they know everything, mm-hmm. you know, just, but they're still kids and they're still a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I think that almost everybody went to school, so they think that they're an expert in school. Oh, yeah. And I think that what people don't realize is the work, the thought, the effort, the what, what, like, for example, if I happen to attend to a principal's meeting, like the things that go into the decisions that principals make every day or the curricular decision, those, that is so big and it is so much work. And I think that the average person doesn't realize that because. They went to school and then the teacher taught them and then they went home. And it's like the amount that goes in is incredible. And we need to give all of those decision makers and then all of those teachers the credit that they deserve to do the work they do. A lot of it is unseen. Well said. In addition, I would say by the teaming that happens between our staff within buildings to be able to support students. So from the paraeducators to transportation staff to related service providers to teachers to myself consultants that type of stuff the um the amount of immense support like especially in my building that all those students receive because our staff care so deeply for the students that they work with you know the families and community members just don't always see the advocacy that takes place mm-hmm. from the leaders and teachers on behalf of the students we serve. Because we don't always walk into a meeting and agree on everything. And so there's a lot of hard conversations. So we also have to come back and patch some of our relationships a little bit because sometimes we say things a little, a little more tart than we should. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, genuinely speaking, their focus and their uh, mode of operation in terms of doing what's best for kids is might look a little different but you know it's always about the kids right so i I mean i very much appreciate that when we think of school our brains can sort of go to the most simple concept of what school is if we boil it down completely it's that one room schoolhouse kids in a classroom together there's reading math there's history i think that's our our first instinct one of the things that i think is phenomenal about what you all do is so many aspects of of the isd are are covering areas where students may have not gotten what they needed in the past um where earlier incarnations of what school looked like um, didn't cover the needs of a, a in a particular area whether it's because um, by the time some kids get to kindergarten, they might already be behind because they haven't had the supports that they needed at a younger age. Or if it's because a teacher in a gen ed classroom can't accomplish um, or accommodate the the specific learning needs of, of a student who might be outside of their purview of understanding or, or simply because they've got enough on their plate that, you know, there's some kids that need more attention. Um, and then in terms of, you know, preparing them for going out into the world in a way that maybe education in the past did not provide them. I think this creates so many phenomenal opportunities that schools 50 years ago couldn't really accomplish. So so go all of you. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, having, having said all of that, um, it does take a lot of work to keep all this moving and and there's so much dedication from all of you all and from your staff and, and the community investment and, and working with the school districts to make sure all these kids get what they need. And and usually I think people think of, if they put these pieces together, they're thinking of those day-to-day operational things. They're thinking of teaching, obviously, 
transportation and planning curriculum and all that, the operations of things, the complex budget that goes into that process. What's easy to forget is how above and beyond that operating aspect of things that things change over time and things grow. And all of this needs space and infrastructure to keep all of that happening. And and those classrooms and buildings, they need care, they need reinforcement. And then as the student needs grow, they need expansion sometimes too. The students might get older and move on and the buildings have to be ready for new students and sometimes more students. If you weren't already aware, there is a, a bond proposal next week on the 27th that the, the ISD is bringing. It's not operational. It's intended generally to accomplish some of those needs. Can you talk a little bit about what that bond is for? Before I jump into that, I think it's important to know how we arrived at uh-huh. asking for a bond. And so it's been about a two-year process. You heard me mention earlier that I came from Lakeview. And so just trying to get an idea of the state of our facilities. So we had a comprehensive facility needs assessment done. When that was completed, they put together a $44 million list of items that needed to be addressed at all Uh of our buildings and locations. The bulk of our funding goes towards personnel and providing Uh the needs for day-to-day operations of district. So, you know, there really aren't funding sources Uh for local districts to truly address their facility needs. So the state provides this avenue for you to approach your community for a bond when those needs get to a point that Uh your budgets can't address, Uh you know, whether it be, you know, a boiler, replacing a boiler, you probably can, you know, address that. When it was all said and done, we met as a team and it was very important for us to make sure it was in our needs ask. So we compared that down to 40 million. About this time, we started talking about where our budgets are on an annual basis Uh and whether it be special ed, um, and whether it be general ed or even our uh, career and tech ed budgets, we kind of see where our expenditures are and we realize that, hey, we're going to have a little bit left this year. Let's set that into a capital outlay. And so capital outlay is where you could do projects like uh, uh-huh. parking lots, potentially a roof, depending on the cost. But once you put it into this capital outlay for fun, you can't move it out of there. Uh-huh. And so we have to be very thoughtful in terms of the money that we're setting aside. And so over the course of the last five or six years, we've been able to put aside $4 million. Mm -hmm. We just said that, okay, we have $40 million here that we know we need. We're going to cover some of that with the money we've set aside, Mm -hmm. which is how we landed at the $36.8 million. Okay. Each building has uh, differing needs depending on where they're at. But our biggest needs right now are are true. They're just roofs, parking lots, and um related mechanical HVAC Uh um, and just replacing and updating some of the services that come into the building. For instance, the career center needs a roof. And so the projection on the cost of replacing that roof is $4 million. Uh Parking lots, 2 million. Probably the thing that we are excited the most is Uh the support to potentially add buildings and classrooms to the cider center. Uh Kristen spoke at length about the needs you know, of our students that are very unique um, and, and very challenging at times, but we just want the spaces that we're providing services um, to be conducive uh-huh. to best meet the needs of the students. Uh-huh. And so the only building right now designed for what it's being used for is the career center. And so that was designed as a career center. That's what it's being used for. Uh-huh. Um, all of our other buildings have been purchased from various businesses and just repurposed. So the Career Center, is, is, like I said, was built with that in mind. Um, but the Transition Center, the Hamler Building, and the Cider Center 
have been repurposed. Now, the Cider Center is functional. Our buildings are all functional, um, but they're not ideal for the students mm -hmm. we serve. So um, we just felt like, you know, when you we talked about the intricacies of a student leaving a local program mm -hmm. to end up at the Cider Center, and I, I'll draw you guys in here in a second, because um, I, I specifically want to hear Kristen talk about what it's going to mean to her, her and her kids um, related to this bond, because I don't know if we've had a lot of opportunity to Here's the practitioners mm -hmm. in the building and what it means to them. Once a kid gets to a point of, hey, you might need to go to the Cider Center, mm -hmm. they come and do a site visit. So the look and feel of the Cider Center does not look the same as if you walk Baldwin Heights mm -hmm. or Greenville Middle School or Greenville High School. Very vibrant, modern, up-to-date. And again, I'll say it's functional because our facilities folks have done a great job, but that building was never designed as a school. Right. And so that's where I'd like to maybe pull our folks in here outside of parking lots, roof, and HVAC, mechanical. Uh -huh. You know, the cider center is where the most work is going to be done. So Yeah. So I say, first of all, we're busting at the seams. So uh -huh. um, within our, like, related service providers, we have offices where we have multiple people sharing multiple spaces uh -huh. just because we need to do that, which doesn't always make for great working environments for our staff, but that's staff focused, but student focused. I think we've done a great job doing what we can with what we have. Uh -huh. But when I, you know, bring a family for a tour, I try really hard to be positive and be like, here's our space. But in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, this looks um, maybe just not as welcoming as what a is what a typical or some of our renovated buildings look like. So I, if we're able to get the expansion, we're able to add on to it and create an actual gym or even I think of like the lunchroom. Our lunchroom right now is pretty tiny um, and we're able to do that, but we've been working really hard on bringing all of our grade levels down at a time because we know that when students can interact with their same age peers, regardless of their disability, that's great for students. Mm -hmm. Well, we can't even fit some of like all of our wheelchairs down there at the uh -huh. same time. So like even just that opportunity to make our cafeteria bigger and just more uh, ways to have different conversations and just to make it more functional for this great group of kids that we have. Um, a gym area that's actually a gym, um, depending on what it is right now with multi-purpose room, which is great, but it's carpeted. We mm -hmm. call it our gym. So I just, I think just to freshen it up, to give these kids like a sense of, wow, we're, we really are important. We mm -hmm. do get the new school too, or we do get a new space. I think would be very, very, very just exciting. Mm -hmm. Like I just, I smile every time I think about the possibility of that happening. And, and I think, and I don't know, I want to maybe put you on the spot here, Kristen, but when you think of culture in the building, mm -hmm. What what are, what is your take as the person's there every day? What what would more vibrant space that's built and designed well, even, as a school and looks like a school? Well, even windows. So half of my classroom don't have windows. Oh, yeah. That, and that makes a huge they're difference. They're on the inner side. So mm -hmm. I think of natural light and the ability to be able to see outside. Like that, that in and of itself, especially if it's sunny, makes days happier and brighter and stuff like that. So I think the overall culture, feeling like a school... Um, for staff and students alike will help um, definitely with some of our complex students. Our entryway, for example, too, like we have this tiny little way where we can go 
in. So it doesn't really necessarily make for like great collaboration with parents. Like you kind of just feel like you're talking on top of different people. Mm -hmm. Um, the possibilities are super exciting. The reason for looking for the addition. Yeah, for, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Environment, culture. And I think a statement we've been trying to make is we service kids from all the local communities. Mm -hmm. So we are a service agency. And so when Greenville or Vesterberg or Lakeview send their students to the Cider Center, we wanted to look and feel like a school. Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, these kids deserve a space that feels like feels like a school that feels like a, a school um that was designed as a school yeah um so i mean i feel like that's even on a very subtle level that can make a huge difference okay. for their experience as students yeah so Shane, i don't know if you have anything to add about career and tech ad we are a very large building and so anytime we need something major like a roof or a parking lot mm -hmm. um it's not going to be cheap my focus as we uh, move throughout the school year and I look at our, our yearly operating budget is I need to make sure the students have updated equipment to work on because I can't send them out um, having learned on 1960s, 70s cars right. to work on the cars of 2024 um, because they're absolutely nothing alike. Mm -hmm. And and actually we're a um, accredited program in our auto and diesel and in order to keep our accreditation i have to have cars in there that are less than five years old so the money has to be spent on the lab equipment the the things that actually touch the kids and the, that the kids work on and touch right and you're talking just to make sure that it's very clear you're talking about the operating budget that needs to be spent to that end. yes yes and so it does limit how much i can put into our capital outlay right right which then you know, limits how fast that grows. And if it doesn't grow very fast and then all of a sudden my roof is leaking in spots, um, we have to figure out something else. So we're definitely not, for the Career Center, we're not asking for money to do anything cosmetic um, because like Kyle said, our building was built to do what it is doing um, and it works. It, it, it looks like a Career Center. It functions like a Career mm -hmm. Center. Um, ours is strictly just money to keep the building operational. Mm -hmm. The question becomes, you know, what's this going to run the average taxpayer? So, roughly for about every ten thousand dollars from a taxable value standpoint, it's about six or seven dollars annually. Mm -hmm. So, if you have a hundred twenty thousand dollar taxable value on your home, it's going to run seventy eight dollars a year. Mm -hmm. If your taxable value is two hundred forty thousand, it's going to be double that. But it's a twenty year term, and it's a zero point six five mil, and it's an increase because right now, in our sixty two years of existence. We've never gone for a bond before. Oh, wow. And okay. so this is the first time we've gone. So, you know, just, you know, being transparent with communication, mm -hmm. it is new. So therefore, it's a new millage. So, and so in those regards, it's a 20-year term, it's 0 0.65 mills. Mm -hmm. And then so. some of the questions, we've been doing a lot of uh, community outreach and various organizations. One of the questions is, when are we going to start seeing, if this is past, mm -hmm. when will we start seeing dirt move, so to speak? Um, so the Cider Center would probably, because it takes time to do the drawings and build the specs out, so you'd probably be looking at maybe the fall of 25 okay. before you saw any building level um, construction going mm -hmm. on. But, you know, people do like to th see things going on. So parking lots, roofs, some of those things would probably start as soon as this summer mm -hmm. and maybe even this fall. But, you know, we'd certainly want to get some things going mm -hmm. now versus waiting until next year because we want to be able mm -hmm. to communicate 
thank you for your support. Here's what we're mm-hmm. doing. And um, so putting that out in front of folks. Yep. And in terms of this, what you see is what you get. We ask yep. you for for funds for, for a roof. So we're going to get a new roof. Yep. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. Yeah, this is not for salaries or, right. or you know, yep. this is, there's nothing flashy about the ask. And so we have to, if you look at the ballot language, have to stick within the parameters of what that language is. So no raises, no personnel, no offer facilities related items. So um, I I, I kind of want to conclude with this because um, I, I think that we all have uh, a natural affinity to our local school districts. We, we, we take pride in our school districts. We identify with them and we root for them. We root for the teams, but we root for the schools too and the kids. Um, but um, we don't necessarily root for the ISD, so to speak. Um, there is no ISD mascot, although I feel like that would be fun. So um, your education center does have a mascot. Oh, do we they? We are the Jaguars. Oh, nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. <laughs> I stand corrected then. But I keep learning. Yes, uh-huh, we are. But, you know, it's all part of one large team mm-hmm. and, and that works for the entire county and the whole co- uh, county can share in its success in that way. Um, so I think it's, I think you all are, are worth rooting for. So... You, sh- you need to get a basketball t- team together or something like that. <laughs> and so, like, the ISD basketball team. Um, so people have something to root for. Yeah. And I did play college basketball. So okay. Can, so. Are you offering to coach? Okay. No, I, I, I coach my boys going through, but I'm not nearly as athletic as I used to be. So now I'm more three-point line to three-point line. <laughs> you get a little bit lazier as you get older. I do appreciate your statement because I, I think you do kind of think about you, your district and at a local mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. And we are... Also, everybody's school district. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not be down the street, yeah. but it's yeah. it's still there. Absolutely. I have to say, you are like the singing, dancing, basketball, playing, like <laughs> any any other Renaissance man skills you want to throw in there into the mix? Play the guitar. What do you play? Uh, ju- just acoustic. So you do a lot of okay. Okay. I do a lot of uh, Garth Brooks, uh, okay. Bonnie Raitt, Old Bette Miller. Uh, well, actually, the first song I ever played, I was second grade in a talent show i played the rose and sung it. oh nice I don't, how, I don't know how well that sounded i don't have a video of it, but, <laughs> but i bet I it was just, cute i can just imagine a second grade thumping on a guitar probably don't sound much better either way singing or playing but yeah. <laughs> all right well thank you all for for coming in and, and um exploring all this with me i definitely learned something from this i hope that everybody learned something from it i hope a bunch of you knew all this stuff that would be great <laughs> i i hope that that everyone takes a moment to think about how they might already be seeing this in their lives without even realizing it. Do you know people in your own family or in your neighbor's family who has benefited from it? Think about um, the significance it's had for the community that you've seen for yourself and um, probably more than you necessarily realize. As I mentioned, the election day that this bond proposal is coming up at is February 27th. A week from today. A week from today. That's a Tuesday. And early voting has already started, so you are welcome to go out and vote now if you are not going to be able to do it on Tuesday. I actually did that yesterday. I was curious how it was going to work, and it was very, very smooth. I was was in and out. So if you don't want to stand there the day of, do it in between, definitely. The non-November elections, the non-sort of presidential, the non-big elections, that there's always fewer people that tend to turn out um, because they don't necessarily take it as seriously. But to me... I feel like there's almost more value in showing up for those elections because those are the ones that you're going to see close to home what the effects are. Like you're going to be able to look out your front door, so to speak, and, and see the meaning that is derived from that. So all the more important, I think. 
thank you all for um for sitting down with me and talking about all this yay (laughs) Yay. (laughs) thank you all take care